On this episode of the Breaking Game Show, Austin and I are joined by Off the Ball Network colleague and co-vice president Mo Murphy to discuss some of the biggest storylines in the NBA right now. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll be right back after this break. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Breaking the Game show here on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. I'm your co-host, Stephen Gillespie, and joining me, as he always does, is my partner in crime, Austin Carr. Austin, how you doing today, brother? Hey, what's going on? I'm doing good. It's, uh, you know, what, wild card Sunday in the NFL, so we've got a lot of good good sports on the TV. and You know, we've got a good guest tonight, so it's going to be a good show. Yeah, absolutely, and that special guest today is none other than our Off the Ball Network colleague. He is the host of the Up in Flames podcast. He is the co-vice president of our network, and that is Mr. Mo Murphy. Mo, what's up, brother? Hey, what's going on, Stephen and Austin? I appreciate y'all for having me on the show, man. Definitely been been a time coming, so I'm definitely excited to talk hoops with the both of y'all. Yeah, absolutely. We're we're honored to have you. And, you know, we, we talk on this show all the time about our, our group chat that we have here on, on, yeah. on our show all the time, you know, and you're a very, you know, consistent contributor, to say the least, on our on our group chat. And, uh, you know, we're glad to have yeah. you here on the show, you know, and we've tried for a little bit to have you on there, but we finally got you nailed in there. And, uh, you know, picked a good week actually to have you on because there's a few Really big storylines that I wanted to cover. Obviously, Austin did too here on the show, right, Austin? Oh, yeah, definitely. We've got a lot of a lot of big things going on in the NBA. You know, we've got some some pretty interesting topics for tonight. And uh, spoiler alert, we're going to be giving you guys our uh, top three in uh, each conference. So, yeah, and Austin and I, you know, we we sh- deliberated amongst ourselves and we kind of agreed on this based on you know, how we felt about the power rankings coming into the season and how the season's played out so far. But before we get into that, Austin, we want to talk about Kyrie missing time with the Brooklyn Nets. And uh, a lot of people have felt some type of way about this. You know, if you're on social media and you follow anything basketball related, this has been a conversation that has dominated many people's timelines. And Mo, we wanted to get your take on one, what have you been seeing about Kyrie missing time? And then how do you look into the situation? You know, is this, ah, this is Kyrie being Kyrie again? Or do we need to kind of back off of him a little bit? Um, well, I don't like how when Kyrie first decided to miss time, you know, especially it was Scoop B who really started it, where it was like he's just not playing just because. And, like, I don't think Kyrie, as much as we talk about him, and you know, you hear about him negatively in the media, he's not a guy that just – not play for no reason as far as, you know, injury, um, mental health. It seemed like sometimes he's had an issue with that. Like after his grandfather had passed, he kind of had a hard time dealing with that. So, you know, he kind of sat a few games here and there, just wasn't feeling it. But just to say that Kyrie doesn't want to play was kind of ridiculous to me. And it raised questions. And it was, oh, God, here goes Kyrie doing what we think is Kyrie stuff. But then with coming, you know, it was kind of, was it the same night or the night after? Everything that happened on Capitol Hill is the same night. Yeah, it was same, the same. same yeah, it was night. the so, it was the night before that the Capitol Hill happened, and then uh-huh. you know the following game they reported that he, you know, messaged the teammates before the game. Steve Nash came out and said, "Hey, you know, he didn't really say anything to me at all, but he ended up missing the game the night after." Okay. Yeah, and that, and that was the thing was you know that hit a lot of people. That whole situation hit a lot of people really hard, and um. You know, Stephen, as you know, with just being in the Navy, like it's like certain people can speak out on things. We, you know, some people can say stuff that we can't say, mm-hmm. but it did. It hit a lot of people hard, and so, you know, with it personally hitting hard, and then you know, talking with you guys in the group chat, like it affected us all differently. But it was something that everybody had something to say about, you know, and we were pretty much all on the same page and as different feelings. But on the same page, as far as nobody was agreeing that that was right and that was the correct way to go about things. So if Kyrie didn't want to play, you know, everybody spoke out about it. But he kind of action, you know, maybe his mind isn't right. And he's, he's working up a plan to fight social injustice and stuff like that in a different way. And maybe him playing will distract him from 
his master plan. I think, you know, Kyrie is really an intelligent guy. Sometimes, you know, he's a flat earth theorist, but so are a lot of people that still are really smart. They just, mm -hmm. you know, big time theorists. But Kyrie's a smart guy. And if he didn't want to play, and that was the reason, who am I to say, oh, we got to, we, we, we got to get on his head about it. We got to kill him for it. Like, I can't say I would have wanted to play. I probably would have went out there and played just for the love of basketball. But if it, if it really hit me that hard and it affected me a lot harder, and some people have families that lived out there, stayed out there in the area, and you don't know what was going on besides what was going on on Capitol Hill that CNN, but they weren't reporting the neighborhoods and what was going on there too. And when you started seeing it with videos, you know, people were kind of, running rugged through through the neighborhoods too so you don't know where it affected them so i don't think we should kill Kyrie. i just it, an explanation will come out eventually maybe not you know Kyrie doesn't like to talk to media so maybe he feels like he doesn't owe anybody an explanation but it was just the fact that they made it like i'm not playing because i don't want to play and then everybody killed Kyrie for it. and then come to find out like that capitol hill situation had a lot to do with him not playing yeah, and just to kind of reset the the timeline of events that had happened, Austin, you know, he, he didn't play against the 76ers dating back to the 7th, right? This was the day after the riot in D.C. Again, the reason was unknown. Head coach Steve Nash said that he was unaware for the reason, but his teammates reported that they did receive texts prior to the game. He didn't travel with his team to Memphis a few days later. There were reports from the New York Post that cited an unknown source saying that he sat out due to the riots in D.C., Nash did later report that I met, I had a message with Kai, but I want to keep all that stuff private. And then we also need to remember last season when the bubble took place, right, that there were events going on where the NBA paused again inside Orlando. But before traveling to Orlando, Kyrie spoke out against playing down there in Florida where he said, I don't support going into Orlando, or, you know, Irving reported reportedly said i'm not with the systematic racism and the bs just to keep it clean here on the show something smells a little fishy whatever we want to admit or not we are targeted as black men every day we wake up and again we also need to remember that the nets were without kevin durant during this time as well and then Kyrie's status for today against okc was unknown but was later reported that he wasn't going to play so kind of refreshing through that timeline austin what do you what do you make of all this um, you know, I think Mo hit it, hit the nail on the head. I, I don't think you can really blame the guy too much for this. The only, the only thing that I would even begin to take any kind of, you know, have any kind of bad feelings about is just the fact that, it, you know, when Steve Nash was asked, he said he didn't know why. You know, just communicate what's going on a little bit better. I guess maybe would be the, my only thing, but that's not even really that big of an issue to me. Um, you know, and. I think too, you know, to the point of him not wanting to talk to the media, like I know they have certain obligations in their contracts and stuff, but past that, they don't really have to tell anybody anything if they don't want to. I mean, just think about how like public these guys' lives are. Mm -hmm. Everybody who, who knows who they are, knows how much money they make, knows where they live. Usually, you know, they, you know, there's like whole TV shows and stuff about like, you know, stars houses and things like that. They get no like real private life at all. So you know, I, I don't really blame him for being kind of skeptical of talking to the media too. I think I think fear of the media is kind of a, a big thing in America right now, to be honest. Uh, but you know, I I don't take a whole lot of issue with what what happened or what he did. It, you know, it does missing this many games now is starting to seem like you know it obviously is a big deal to him. He's obviously a pretty political you know minded guy. He's he's you know, up on social issues and all that stuff. And, and that stuff is bigger than basketball in all reality. So this is one where I think he gets a pass for, for me and anybody who's really, you know, trying to think objectively about it. Like this is something where, you know, his, his reputation kind of precedes him mm -hmm. and that, that's his own fault. But, you know, I, I don't know that he did anything wrong this time. I don't think he did. Mo, anything to add to that brother? I mean, yeah, it's just, it's, it's kind of piggybacking, but I don't, I don't think he's wrong in this situation and there's been other times where you'll say oh Kyrie should have run about it differently and maybe there's going to be a lot of people that don't agree with Kyrie's antics but you know even with the sage before the uh preseason game earlier you know everybody kind of <laughs> yeah. picks at Kyrie and then you wonder why he doesn't like the media and he doesn't want to explain himself and he's not you know he kind of reminds me a little bit of Kobe Bryant and that's kind of crazy to say but like we didn't know much about Kobe until after his career was over 
Then right. Kobe let us into his mind. And I think Kyrie would kind of take that same approach. Now, granted, he has some what we would consider outlandish stuff. And, and you know, there were he, he made, came off as like not the greatest teammate, you know, in Boston. And he let the death of his grandfather affect him with it, those guys. And he said, it, you know, he said that kind of was a bad year for me. And I wish, mm-hmm. you know, I could take that back and, and kind of go about things differently. He said, I love those guys. But he never was a bad teammate because you've seen before they played each other, when the Celtics played the Nets, it was all love from Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, all those guys, Marcus Smart. Yeah. And, you know, those aren't guys who were like soft guys or would be come off as like real forgiving. So, you know, you would think if it if it's all up there, it's all up. There were no hard feelings. But I just think Kyrie was kind of going to take the same approach. And like I'm an NBA player. Um I'm private. I don't want to talk to the media. I'll say what I have to say. But Kobe kind of was the same way. You just didn't, not as outlandish with some things when he did talk, but Kobe was the same way. And then we really got to see who Kobe Bryant was after his playing career was over. And he let us in, you know, he was going on the late Saturday night shows and doing interviews with everybody. And that's kind of where we could pick apart Kobe's mind and see what kind of person he was. But during his playing career, he was all about playing. I kind of see a lot of that with Kyrie in the same instance, but social media is way higher in the prime of Kyrie Irving's career as opposed to Kobe Bryant in the prime of his career. And I think that makes yeah. a big difference too, is if there was social media around when Jordan and Kobe were in their primes and they were like big time, social media were big time platforms, I think they would have a tough time because Jordan wasn't the most media guy. He was, I want to play ball and win games and I'm going to do whatever I got to do to do that. Kobe Bryant was the same way. So I think social media kind of ruins Kyrie's image a little bit too because anybody – can speak out on the situation anybody can retweet or share what somebody has to say and you can go viral talking about Kyrie whether it's negative or positive yeah, yeah. and that's all fair points and just real quick Austin and I'll turn it over to you I just feel like in this situation a lot of the things that Kyrie does we we, we covered a lot of it here already but I just want to say too that like there are people saying like well, in my job, I would have to do this and this and this and this, right? Like, well, Kyrie technically has to do those same same things too. My thing is, is that like a lot of people, you pointed this out earlier, Mo, a lot of people were affected by the events that happened in DC and I'm not, and we're not here on the show to try to tell people how they should feel one way or the other about that. My thing though, is, is that if you're feeling convictions, you, you know, permission granted to act on those, like, there are consequences for you to do that. That's why you went to work, right? There are still consequences for Kyrie Irving. We just don't know what they are right now. You know, like Adam right. Silver in the front office, they do give a lot of leeway for these players to go and do things, right? But we don't know what's going to happen after this. And Austin, you pointed this out earlier, and I'll give it right back to you. Was that Nash saying that he didn't know? Maybe that was just the best way for Nash to answer that question that day. The way Because if he said, well, I talked to Kyrie and he said that, you know, this happened and this is what I know. Like how much, how many more questions would come out of that other than just shutting it down for that day saying, I don't know. Right. Um, just a question to both of you guys this is kind of rhetorical, but I already know the answer, but has anyone ever called you out or like called, called the newspaper when you called off of work or you took a sick no. day? No, of course not. I mean, of course not. NBA players are just in the limelight. I mean, you know, that's really all it is. Everybody can, you know, when there's extenuating circumstances like this, anybody's kind of allowed to take a day off or two if they need, if they need to, you know, this is, a, it's a big deal. I mean, it's a, one of the biggest moments of our life really. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. so, you know, I, I, I don't think he deserves any blame for this. And the only thing I'll say about like the Kobe comparison, I, I see it too, for sure. But I think Kobe's thing was more like he didn't have time for the media cause he was too busy. Like, figuring out how to get better Kyrie Irving over the game right yeah Yeah. Kyrie Irving seems like he gets annoyed by the media and like says some things to to, like get them off you know just says something to get them to go away sometimes or like he's he's got other things on his mind besides just basketball and media people try to act like that's like a sin if you're an athlete if you think about anything but your sport well Austin just real quick and then I'll turn this over to you Mo for for a quick answer he does have th- things on his mind other than the game of basketball, but I would say a lot of the things that he have that he has on his mind is the reason why he isn't playing right now. Like during the yeah. 
the hiatus he helps and I, i'm not saying that you're judging him at all like and i think oh, no. that was a great segue for what i wanted to say was that he wanted he helped supplement a lot of the wnba players play during the hiatus and during the shutdowns and things like that mm-hmm. right like he he went out and he was very active for the social injustice you know movement that we saw this last season in the nba and other sports as well right so yes he does have his mind in other places and, you know, again, just putting this out there for everybody listening, he has his mind in other places, but I, I don't think that that's necessarily a, a, a bad thing. And I think a lot of people would, would agree. Right. Yeah, definitely. I don't I wasn't putting it in that context at all. Right. I, I'm I understand. saying it's, it's definitely, you know, his his priorities to me are in the right place. And if you really think about it, how many people that are famous or that people look up to or know by their first name only or whatever are actually like that socially conscious about other people and, and do, you know, pretty selfless things like that. You know, you, you don't really hear a whole lot of people doing that. And usually if you do, you hear nothing but good things. And Kyrie seems to get slammed for it. And it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. About? I mean, to hit on Austin's point was um, as far as Kyrie's probably has his mind in other places. And like, we applaud him for that because mm-hmm. I think we can all agree it's never really affected Kyrie's play on the court. When no. healthy, when has Kyrie not been one of the best players in the NBA? Mm-hmm. And so that's the he biggest thing. He was having thing a great season up to this point, too. Exactly. He was, he was playing amazing. Top three at his position, you know, um, arguably. I mean, you could get into that argument, but he was playing mm-hmm. outstanding basketball. Him and Kevin Durant were looking like one of the best duos right there with, you know, your LeBron AD, Kawhi Paul, George, all that. But when is Kyrie, no matter what he has had on his mind, when has it ever affected his game? So, like, what Austin was saying was he might have a bunch of other things on his mind, but we can all agree that's okay. You don't have yeah. to solely focus on basketball, which is basically what Austin said. He might he was big in the social injustice. He was big in the WNBA, but that's okay because it doesn't affect his game at all. When Kyrie's on the floor and he's healthy, He's one of the best basketball players in the league. A lot of people label him as one of the most talented players they've ever seen. Play basketball, one of the best ball handlers of all time. Like, there's so many things you can label Kyrie when he plays. The only problem, the only question has become with his health. But him and his off-the-court antics and what he does, that's what a great human being does. So, for the little bit that he gives the media to bash him for, but then he goes out there, he seems like he'd give the shirt off his back to a Mm -hmm. homeless guy to make sure that that person is good. But nobody, he doesn't get applauded for that. He doesn't do it for praise, but nobody points that out. Nobody ever really, oh, let's share this story. And then Kyrie says, I don't want to talk to the media all season. Uh, Let's point that out. Let's have that on first take as a debate. debating it. It's, It's a national sports debate. But then forget the fact that the day before, you know, he fed 3,000 families. Nobody. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Congratulations, Kyrie. But we're still going to kill you for the fact you said you don't want to talk to us because you're, you're not going to allow right? us to do our job. Exactly. So that's kind of my thing is like everybody's just quick to kill Kyrie. And he really he really comes off as like a great guy. The things he does outside of basketball and outside of speaking to the media is nothing short of being a great human being. So I, I can't ask him if he don't want to talk to me. It is like that's on him. That's fine. The media only cares because it's affecting their paychecks because they get paid for interviewing Kyrie and hearing his thoughts on the game. And, you know, he eventually and then making fun of him for his answers. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of mm-hmm. the thing is Kyrie feels like he's the NBA clown. Like mm-hmm. he's the gateway to, oh, just pick on everything I say. I mean, I'm really – he's one of the most hated players in the NBA by media from what mm-hmm. I can tell. I mean – as much yeah. as everybody likes to say, like, LeBron's, like, arguably one of the most hated players in the world because you either love him or you hate him, it's the same with Kyrie, but I think it's mm-hmm. worse because the media doesn't pick on LeBron. The media no. only attacks him when they start bringing up the GOAT, and I don't think LeBron's the GOAT, so they'll start bashing him. But, like, Kyrie mm-hmm. is, like, they'll literally pick on anything he says. Like, he could say, I have I want a double cheeseburger, no pickle, and somebody's <laughs> going to come and say it's un-American for a guy to have a double cheeseburger without pickles. Like, you know, yeah, I might, I like might be on that side, though. I mean, pickles are one of my favorite foods. But, you know, we'll go ahead and uh, – oh, go ahead just real just quick. Off last there. point, man, I just want to say he's never gotten in trouble with his employer. You know, his team has never suspended him. They've never even said really anything bad about him. And it's to the LeBron thing. It's almost like, 
oh, LeBron built a school for a bunch of kids. Congratulations. Let's, you know, pat him on the back, give him the key to the city. Kyrie fed 3,000 people. All that show off, you know, it's ridiculous. Yeah, that's, absolutely. That's all I wanted to add. No, and, and that, those are all really good points. And again, just for everybody watching and listening to, you know, us on the Nothing But Net channel here on Dash Radio, we have special guest Mo Murphy of the Up and Flames podcast. He is the co-vice president of the Off the Ball Network, where Austin and I contribute to as well. And we're going to go ahead and transition now to our next topic that I really wanted to get your opinion on, Mo, because this was the team, speaking of the Atlanta Hawks, that a lot of expectations on this team coming into the season with the additions that they have of, you know, Bogdan Bogdanovich, they added Rajon Rondo, they drafted well, you know, added Danilo Gallinari. I mean, this is a really good team, a lot of high expectations. Clint Capella set to make his return, and and things were looking really good for them early on in the season, right? But reports are starting to come out of what I'm affectionately referring to now as Trey TL, which I like as a nickname way better than Ice Trey. I think Ice Trey is one of the lamest nicknames out there right now. But I like Trey, I like Trey TL better. So reports out of Trey TL are John Collins, who hasn't got a contract extension yet. He's extension eligible, but one of the better players on this Hawks team. Reports came out that he had some criticisms about the way that the Hawks were playing early on in the you know in the season, about the way their offense being ran. I have a quote here. This is coming by way of CBS Sports. It says, according to three sources who were either in the session or had knowledge of what was said, Collins raged several excuse me, Collins raised several issues about the way these Hawks were functioning with Young at the helm. Collins talked about the need to get into offensive sets quickly and to limit all those early shot clock attempts that that leave teammates on the outside looking in. He shared his desire to be more involved and expressed a desire for more ball involvement and flow on offense. There was no back and forth between the two, but the pointed criticism caught the attention of the entire room and Young, sources say, made it clear that others later, to others later, that he strongly disagreed with Collins' assessment. The Hawks' next game after the comments was against the Hornets. Young only took nine shots, finishing with seven points. Collins, on the other hand, had 23 points, 11 boards, and the team lost by eight points. The Hawks are currently ninth in the East at four at the time of this recording. Mo, what do you make of this noise? Well, first off, um, it goes back to like a conversation we had, you know, like you always bring up the group chat. So it goes back to a conversation we had where it was like, don't buy into some of these great performances starting like early in the season. Like I don't, you know, I guess I don't want to say every game doesn't matter, but like early in the season, trying to evaluate a lot of teams would make you think the Hawks are an Easter conference championship contender the way they came out. And it make you think, you know, that the Denver Nuggets won't make the playoffs this year. So I'm not surprised that they kind of fell off. But what did John Collins think was going to happen with all the new additions for the Atlanta Hawks? He's trying to blame it solely on Trey Young, which is easy because he's a superstar. Like, what did you think was going to happen with, you know, the development of Cam Reddish and Hunter? You brought in Bogdanovich. You brought in Rondo. You dra- Like you said, you drafted well. You have almost a whole new team outside of Trey Young, uh, Collins, and Capella. It's just a different look team. So what did you think was going to happen? Somebody was going to sacrifice with trying to figure out where all these pieces fit in. And it looked great. And it was all good. To me, I I don't like what John Collins said because there was nothing said when they were winning games. When they were the one seed in the Easter Conference after four games, nothing was said. But now that they started, things are looking down and they're losing. He's trying to blame Trey Young, because he feels like Trey Young is shooting too much. I'm not getting enough shots. And maybe he thinks that was the recipe for the Atlanta Hawks success this year. But I just, and then for people to say Trey Young quit, um, I don't like that either. You know, he only took nine shots. You know what? Maybe he said, okay, well, let's see how this goes. I'm going to shoot less. The early shots, we're going to run an offense. We're going to get y'all the ball. We're going to see how it goes. And they lost to the Hornets. Trey Young's the superstar. Everybody knows the superstar majority of the time gets the most shots, he takes the most shots, especially since he's the only superstar on that team. You have a couple, John Collins is all-star caliber. Clint Capella could be all-star caliber, lower tier, but caliber possible if they can play good enough. But he's the only superstar on the team, so therefore the offense runs through him being the point guard and everything like that. So I just don't like that, especially everybody wanted to say Trey Young quit. 
When has he ever mm-hmm. been a player that doesn't play hard? Like, even if you go back and watch that game, he played hard. He just didn't shoot a lot. So now all of a sudden, Trey Young quit. That's what I don't like about the whole situation is John Collins comes out and says this. He plays his butt off. He just doesn't take as many shots as we're used to seeing. And now he quit. And John Collins is happy because he had, what, 20-plus points, 10-plus boards, and a loss to the Hornets. I mean, on the downfall of, like, the Hawks looking. They went from one to nine Mm. in, like, a week and a half. Like, literally, you know, two weeks ago, the Hawks, oh, man, they're right on status quo of where we thought they were going to be. They're actually ahead of schedule. We kind of had them late, you know, seventh or eighth seed. Look like they could be a four or five seed as we get later into the season and things start really falling into place. We knew they weren't going to be one. So that's my, my whole thing is don't – I don't want people to put this all on Trey Young like it's his fault and then that the, the narrative that he quit on his team. I think, I think that's a BS narrative. Yeah, and that's all fair. Austin, I just wanted to to point out one thing real quick, and I'll turn it to you. The last point that I had on this report out of CBS Sports, it says that there was no back and forth between the two after Collins had made this statement. But, you know, the criticism caught the attention of the room, and then Young, sources say, made it clear to others later, not during the meeting, but later, Mm -hmm. that he strongly disagreed with Collins' assessment, right? So Collins... To hit, and, and this is my opinion. Y'all, y'all might view this differently. To me, Collins receives credit on my end because he may, he said, "Look, guys, we we were doing well. Now we're not doing good. Maybe we need to change this one thing." He was in the room. He didn't say it behind anybody's back. Everybody was like, "Oh, okay, we hear you." And then Trey Young later didn't say he didn't say anything in the room, but later he said along the lines of strongly disagreeing with what Collins' assessment was. And then he comes out and, and has this, what we'll call a performance, right, Austin? So so what do you make of this? You know, it, the, you, you made a good point there, Stephen. Um, it it kind of seemed weird to me that he that it, the way it said that he made it clear to others after, like later on, like he didn't say anything right away, but that it obviously bothered him and that he didn't agree with it. Mm-hmm. And so I think because of that, it, it does kind of look to a lot of people like maybe he was pouting when he only took nine shots. Like, all right, here you go. I'm going to give you the ball every time. I'm not going to shoot. But Mo's right, though, too. He may have just been trying trying to, you know, set up his teammates more. He did play yeah. hard. It's not like he was, you know, dogging it or, you know, not trying on defense and not running up and down the court and just giving up. It wasn't like that at all. Exactly. I, I don't think I don't think professional athletes ever do really do anything like that. As it's very rare, and um, unless you know, you're trying to get traded like James Harden, but even he true. is playing hard when he's on the court, right? Right. I was just gonna say, and he still is going out there and, and having forty point games and thirty point <laughs> games and fifteen assists, and that's the thing with like Harden and and with Trey Young. It's like they they like are two of the top five in the league in assists most of the time, and you know they they set up their teammates pretty well. And, you know, it's a little different with Harden because he does, you know, dribble the air out of the ball. But Trey Young's not really a Harden type of player as much, you know. And so I think either way, it doesn't look good. Um, I kind of feel John Collins may have had issues with Trey Young in the past, or maybe it's been known that they don't really get along for a while because I can't really see otherwise why they wouldn't give him a contract extension. Like he's, he's been one of the best players in that draft class. He's been a, you know, a walking double double since he came into the league. He can get 20 points if he gets the opportunities. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's weird to me that they wouldn't, they, they wouldn't give that guy a contract extension. So it almost makes me wonder, is there something more going on underneath the surface that we don't really know? And maybe this has been an issue before. Yeah. And th- th- that's a very fair point. And Mo, I'll, I'll turn this to you. I just want to say something real quick that we we all remember last season that Trey Young had there were several reports saying that he needed help right like that he was unhappy with the way that the team was constructed with the way that the roster was built and you know with just a bunch of lame duck performances by everybody not named Trey Young last season and and Mo Collins did miss significant time last season too right he was uh, i believe was mm-hmm. suspended early on in the season and Trey knew yeah. what it was like to not play alongside him so when i look at this report to me it seemed this is what I think, Mo, and, and you've been involved in sports and, you know, especially we're both Navy and there are times I'm sure within, you know, your division that you have, you know, you guys get along to some extent. Right. But when someone points something out, it may, you know, make somebody else feel some type of way. 
and mm-hmm. you're in the room, right? So like even between us, right? Like if I had an issue with you, Mo, like I would say, hey man, like this is what happened. This is how I feel. Like you and I have that type of relationship where you could come to me or I could come to you, say that. And the other one would mm-hmm. in turn say something back, you know, like we wouldn't later go and tell Austin like, hey, I strongly disagreed with what Mo said to me. You know what I mean? So, you know, hearing about that and, you know, hearing about what Austin's yeah. take was, what do you, is there anything else that you want to kind of shed light on, on this situation? Um, you know, with Austin saying that, like, it is fishy that they haven't given him a contract extension. Maybe it is one of those relationships where they were like, a duo, but they just don't get along. Maybe they play well on the court because, you know, Collins' game fits Trey Young's, but he's starting to feel like he doesn't have a place on that team the way as constructed with Trey Young running the offense. But, you know, it's just – it's a tough situation because, like, Trey Young is a superstar. And so I think Collins – maybe the problem was Collins values himself a little more than what the Hawks do. I think that also could be an issue because I know they offered him. It wasn't that they didn't try to extend him. It was just the money wasn't right for him. He was looking for more. So I think maybe he has a lot higher value for himself as far as how much he's worth as a player and how how much his role will make an impact on the success of the Hawks. Either that is diminishing because he didn't sign that extension. He's trying to get his money. So it could come off. He could, if you look deeper, he could be being selfish because he feels like his numbers aren't portraying the money he's asking for mm. in that extension. And so he's upset with Trey Young because, like, Trey Young's going to get his money. We know he's a superstar. He's going to get paid the max, whatever he could get paid, the four years, 190 or 200 by then, who knows. But he's yeah. going to get his money where John Collins knows if there's any dip in his numbers, it's going to be another reason why this is why we offered you. 90 million over three years instead of 100 or whatever it is that they offer him. John Collins knows if, if any of my performance look like there's a dip in my performance, I'm not going to get the money I'm asking for. And therefore, I don't like the way the offense is being ran because my numbers are dipping. I don't look like a 20 and 10 guy anymore. And I'm trying to get this money. And to get this money, I have to be a 20 and 10 guy. And you guys are solely putting the ball in the hands of Trey Young. And it's not fair to me because Trey Young's, you know, like I said, he's the superstar. He's going to get paid. You're going to do whatever you can do. You're going to give him whatever you can give him to keep him in Atlanta and keep your organization relevant. And they're on the way up by showing him, you know, showing Trey Young that we'll put some pieces around you. We'll draft correctly. We'll build a team. We'll get some free agents. And so they're, they're kind of building the team the right way around them. I just think with that, John Collins kind of his role kind of falls off. That's just me personally. I think he kind of becomes the odd man out and they may need to look at trading him because maybe with building around Trey Young, it's just not a fit. I mean, look how many forwards they got with already Mm -hmm. having John Collins and then they have Clint Capella and they still went and got a few forwards and drafted one where we're like, God, they kind of loaded with forwards on that team. Almost the same like Nick's situation where they're loaded with so many forwards. I think it's the same way. I know a small forward, power forward, but with having Clay Capella, I just think John Collins might end up being the odd man out on the way the Hawks are built. And he's just upset about it. He says it, you know, I give him his respect. Steven, I didn't think of it like that. As far as he said it in the room where everybody could hear it, including Trey Young, there was no say it behind your back. And Trey Young, like, didn't have anything to say. And so it's one of those, if you ain't have nothing to say when there was, you had the floor to speak. Why tell your teammates later on? So I do mm-hmm. get that aspect. So he's not wrong for that. But I just think maybe his role isn't what he thought it'd be. And he's trying to get a certain amount of money. And it's not going to happen if his numbers are taking a dip. Yeah, and that was the only issue that I had between this is that Trey Young didn't say anything during that time. But you bring up a fair point, Mo. Like, is Collins could just be speaking out of selfish ambition, right, Austin? Because, like, if his numbers aren't right, they they did, you know, they have DeAndre Hunter, who they do play at the four. You know, they got Danilo Gallinari. They drafted Onyeka Okongwu to play behind, maybe even alongside Clint Capella. You know, if he picks up those Bam Adebayo tendencies, everybody just seems to love to compare him to, right? So if, if all of those things happen, you know, Cam Reddish could probably give you some small ball four minutes. Like, there's a number of things that, that Atlanta can do even without Collins, and they could even trade him this season. Who knows what will happen? But do you think Collins may have been speaking 
maybe not fully to the uh, the betterment of the team, but maybe the betterment to himself. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I, I didn't really think about it like that until Mo brought that up. You know, numbers matter to these guys a lot. You know, a lot of guys, you know, they want to get their numbers because, like you guys said, they know that's how they're going to get their money. And mm-hmm. anytime you're a lame duck on a, you know, you're on a lame duck contract like that where you don't have an extension ready to go or, you know, you're playing out the last year of your contract, they hear it, you hear it about coaches all the time, how hard it is to coach on one of those contracts. Well, it's got to be just as hard to play on one of those contracts, especially on a team like Atlanta that's got, it looks, seems like three or four options that are younger than you and that they just picked up in the last year or two. And I think Cam Reddish fits in as a, as a four in the NBA really well. He's a really, really good defender. You know, he's over a block and a steal per game each. And uh, Hunter, too. Hunter's, you know, another young, really athletic, versatile guy. They just drafted Onyeka Okongu with, with a sixth pick, so they're not going to move him anytime soon. And it seems like Clint Capella's there, you know, going to be their five. I think he fits better as a, as a small ball five or just a five in general. He's, you know, a little bit more rim protection and – He's he's gonna score you maybe 12, 13 points, but he's gonna probably get twelve or thirteen rebounds too. And and John Collins is a little bit better offensively, but it it kind of seems like this team is pretty set at that position where they could move him. And it seems like he's not really too happy. Seems like they're not convinced that he's worth what he thinks they're worth he's worth. And you know, Gallinari hasn't even hardly played. So, you know, and Rondo's only played two games. Yeah. So when those guys come back, there's going to be even fewer minutes to go around and fewer shots and less time with the ball. And it, it may be just smart to see what the best deal they can get for him is or or package him with another player and maybe go after a James Harden if he still wants to trade. I mean, who knows? Or even a Bradley Bill, but those are all yeah. fair points. All right, guys, now we're going to transition to the last segment that we have set up for here on the show. And again, you're listening to the Breaking the Game show here on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. We are joined by co-vice president of the Off the Ball Network and the host of the Up in Flames podcast. That is our brother, Mo Murphy. Thank you so much for being here again, brother. But we're going to transition now to the last segment of the show, which is the the power rankings that Austin and I have come together and agreed upon, Mo, I'll unveil these to you, and you can just kind of give us your thoughts and opinions on this. But uh, in the Eastern Conference, Austin and I have the Boston Celtics, the Philadelphia 76ers, and the Indiana Pacers. And then in the West, we have the Los Angeles Lakers, the Phoenix Suns, and the Los Angeles Clippers. And now, Mo, before we have to give it to you, I just want to say that we preface this by saying that these are based off the expectations that we had on teams coming into the season. And then obviously, you know, the teams that they played, yes, win loss column matters too, but also who they played in those wins and those losses and what Mm -hmm. the expectations of those teams were coming into the season. So having said that, Mo, let's talk about the Eastern conference real quick. What do you think about us having the Celtics one, the Sixers two, and then the Pacers three? Um, to be honest, it's not really a disagreement. Um, I feel like it's preference a little bit, and you have to dig deeper as far as who you want at one between Boston or Philly right now. But having Boston one and Philly two, I think those are the top two teams in the Eastern Conference, and you can kind of argue who's one and who's two. I mean, my key thing to look at, and I know it's a power rankings, but my key mm-hmm. thing to look at why I probably would give Boston the edge, matter of fact, would be because – the, the outstanding play of Jalen Brown. Like, yeah. I think that's a big difference. Um, Boston is good. We knew they were going to be probably a top three to four team in the East. And kind of Philly, we didn't know where they were going to fall, maybe that five or six range just off of having Simmons and Embiid. But I just think that the the way that duo of Brown and Tatum, where they're sneaking into one of the five best duos in the NBA right now, is why I, w- I would definitely entertain and agree. At first, I had Philly at one. Uh, in Boston too, but with thinking like I went and thought about it, and I'm like, but with the play of Jalen Brown, uh, you know, Kimba Walker hasn't really played either, and mm-hmm. he may be a trade chip. We don't know. I mean, the way it looks, they might not need him, and they might be able to get a little bit of value for him, even if it's just a role player. Where Kimba Walker's almost his name is almost bigger than his production at this point. You may see Kimba Walker get traded, and a lot of guys that aren't in the basketball like us would be like, man, that's all they got for Kimball Walker. But I think he, his name might be bigger than his production is going to give you. And you're looking at building a team around Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum 
the two guys that you paid for the long term. So I, I definitely I agree with Boston one, Philly two, and, and then the Pacers three. Like I don't, there's no disagreement there. Uh, Indiana's playing really good. Uh, they just had a loss that kind of surprised me the other day. I don't remember who they played though, but it was their third loss, and I was like, oh okay. Um, and then you know they lost to the Knicks. But they're about the third best team, especially with the fact Milwaukee's not playing like we thought they would be up to this point. The Miami Heat definitely aren't playing like we thought they would be up to this point. The Nets aren't don't have the record that we thought. I can tell you this. I didn't think Boston, Philly – if you had told me Boston, Philly, and Indiana are the three best teams in the Eastern Conference through nine or ten games, I would have told you you're crazy. I probably yeah. wouldn't have had either of those teams in the top three at all. I might have had maybe Boston. Boston. Yeah, maybe <laughs> Boston. Boston. But other than that, like I would have said, nah, there's no way. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised with Philly just because through 10 games, Ben Simmons and Embiid could get you to 7-3. and three. But just with their rocky situation, new coach, a uh, little bit new roster, you know, it is one of those. They got some things to work on. But, yeah, I, I definitely don't disagree with that top three. I, I'd go Boston, Philly, Indiana. Yeah, and those three losses that you mentioned for the Pacers were to the you know the the bright future or I guess now current future Phoenix Suns. They just lost to them. They lost to the Knicks, and then they lost a close game to the Boston Celtics as well. Austin in this Eastern Conference that you and I kind of deliberated on a little bit. You know, we're doing our combined power rankings here on the show, so obviously there's some give and take. Uh, you know, how, how do you feel? I mean, obviously we agreed on it, but you know, is there one team that you're leaning on more towards than the other? You know, I, I do like the 76ers. I like the way they've been playing. I think their defense, you know, kind of sets them apart from the rest of the NBA. There's not really a whole lot of defense that's been played so far this year. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen a lot of 120, 130, and even some games that went, teams went to the 140s, mm-hmm. which is insane. You know, and Philadelphia plays really strong defense when Simmons and Embiid mm-hmm. are both out there and healthy. You know, we just saw – Pretty much the first, you know, breakout performance of the year by a rookie so far. Didn't tie with Tyrese Maxey. I think he had 39 points the other day when they only had yeah. what nine players. So I, I'm sure he played. You could argue. You could argue that you know, um, Lamelo Ball's triple double. Yeah, triple double. Yep. yep. That was I see too. what you mean with Maxey. Right, and they were just about on the same day. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so you know, a couple of good performances there, but they obviously got a, a you know a, a steal in the draft. It looks like for where where they drafted him, or you know, really solid pick. Um, but the more I look at it, Boston has has been without their third best player, who who going into the season, a lot of people probably would have said was their second best player. And Mo's right about his his name being a little bit bigger than his production. Um, when we were actually ranking players earlier this year, Stephen. Um, mm-hmm. I was looking at it, and I think 54th was his best place in the NBA for any of the advanced stats like win shares, uh, you know, box plus minus, PER. And, and, but he's been an all-star, but he's almost never graded out into like the top 30 in any of those categories. So I, I do think he's a, a slightly overrated. Um, I just think with that massive trade exception that they have, um, you know, I think that's going to be what they use to try to upgrade more than getting rid of, of Kemba Walker. They could, they may not need him, you know, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. I heard it on NBA radio the other day. They, they're, they might be the most skilled, you know, duo in the NBA. They're, you know, you can make a case for LeBron and AD, obviously. That's a pretty but, good one. Yeah. But, you know, other than them, you know, it's really, yeah. Other than yeah. them, it's really, uh, you know, Brown and, and Tatum, I think are the next best duo. Maybe and, wing and, duo, you know, yeah, maybe by yeah. the perimeter duo. Right perimeter guys there and you go there you go that, that makes it work <laughs> but uh so just um yeah i just think you know i like where we have those two teams you know i originally had the 76ers just because they have a little bit better record but yeah you know boston's not playing with one of their three best players and they're still looking really good and then you know the pacers it's it's surprising how well they've done you know their their losses are too the number two seed in the West right now, I think the Knicks are number five in the East and the Celtics we have is number one. So, you know, yeah, as of this recording, the Knicks are sixth. So, I mean, yeah. So, you know, three teams that would be in the playoffs, obviously, you know, nobody really expected the Knicks to be there or, or, you know, maybe even stay there at this point, but you know, they've played well. Uh, I think they've got a great coach with Thibodeau. And so it's just, you know, it was pretty easy to me to make the case that Indiana was, 
you know, number three. They've they've got some good wins. You know, they beat the Celtics once. They just, you know, beat up the Bulls. They beat the Cavaliers by 20. So they're beating the teams that they should beat pretty handily. Yeah, and that's a fair point. And uh, again, Mo, we'll touch on the Western Conference real quick. We have your Los Angeles Lakers, uh, number one. I say your because you're a you're a LeBron guy, right? So um and mine too. Yeah, well, yep, and Austin's Los yeah, Angeles you're, Lakers. You're in good territory. Uh, we have them number one. We have the Phoenix Suns number two, and then we have the Los Angeles Clippers number three. Mo, hearing that, you know, how do you feel about our power rankings for the West there? I mean, that hit mine exactly on the head. I had it exactly the same way. I almost contemplated, it, but because it's a power rankings and knowing who the better team really is, I almost contemplated like giving through 10 games, giving Phoenix their flowers and letting mm-hmm. them sit atop the top number one. But we know the Lakers are the better team. Um, we're not surprised the Lakers are sitting there at number one. But Phoenix, to be to to be undefeated in the bubble, come out with the addition of Chris Paul to be seven and three and consider second the second best team in the West, one of the best teams in the NBA is is phenomenal. It says a lot about their coach Monty Williams. It says a lot about what Chris Paul does to franchises. Just look at what he did when he went to OKC. They had like a three percent chance of or six percent chance of making it to the playoffs, something like that. And they go to be the fifty uh, and take the Rockets into you know a seven game series. And then he comes to Phoenix, and they're one of the best teams in the NBA, let alone the second-best team in their conference. And with the Clippers, I think you could have had, before that loss to Golden State, I think you could have had the Clippers um, ahead of Phoenix. I think a lot Mm -hmm. of us would have just with the Kawhi and Paul George. But with that loss that they gave up to the Warriors, I think respectfully they needed to be jumped by Phoenix and ultimately be third. Yeah, and that's a fair take. And again, for the for the Suns, they lost to Detroit and Sacramento, which is why I think that we had them underneath, you know, the Los Angeles Lakers. And again, positioning coming into the season, we all believe, you know, that the Lakers are going to be repeat champions this season, right? And mm-hmm. no one had the Suns really anywhere, I don't think, higher than than fourth and from what I saw in a lot of reputable power rankings, right? So, you know, still giving the Suns their flowers to some extent, but um, Austin, what were your kind of struggles if you had any? and constructing, you know, these Western Conference power rankings. To be honest, for all the talk that we've had about how deep the West is going to be and how tough it is going to be to make the playoffs there this year, it was kind of hard to pick a third best team. You know, that none of the teams below the Phoenix Suns and the Lakers are really playing that great right now. You know, Dallas can't hardly get a shot other than Luka Doncic. I mean, they have no shot creation, it seems like, so far. Richardson's a little bit, but he's, he's been out. Uh, a little bit here lately. Um, yeah, Brunson's hit and miss. Yeah. And then, you know, Denver's looked awful. Denver can't – I mean, they haven't looked awful, but their record's awful. They yeah. they can't guard anybody, and they've lost a lot of close games. And, you know, sometimes the ball just bounces – doesn't bounce your way. In close games like that, like winning close games really isn't like a, a skill that translates from one year to the next. It's kind of just, you know – how things go at the end of the game sometimes. Uh, you know, the Lakers haven't blown the doors off people and haven't, you know, really impressed anybody, but they're seven and three. You know, they're still beating most of the teams they should. They lost the Clippers. They lost the Clippers twice last year, too. The Clippers are good. They've got two, you know, two of the top 10 or 15 guys in the league, you know, most years. Paul George, some people argue he's not. I'm, I'm not, you know, that high on him, but he he's playing great so far this year. And, so the Clippers got third just because even though they just lost to Golden State and that, you know, big comeback win with uh, Steph Curry making all those shots, those yeah. doing all that crazy Steph stuff that he does. Uh, even with that, you know, I, I still think the um, Clippers definitely deserve third. Uh, the Suns, I, I had them in the play-in tournament, honestly, at the beginning of the year. I, I think I figured they'd be seventh or eighth. I didn't think they'd be, you know, all the way down at ninth or tenth. But I, I I struggled to see them being this good this early. And you know, it's just a testament to Chris Paul and their coach. Uh, you know, they both have really helped turn things around there. Aiton really, DeAndre Aiton hasn't really been sig- significantly better from last year, which was a lot of people thought would happen because of Chris Paul. But you know, they're they're playing defense. They're winning games. They're another team that actually does play pretty good defense too. So, you know, I, I was pretty 
pretty solid with them as the top two. Uh, it's just that third seed was a little bit difficult for me to pick. Yeah, and, and I was right there with you. But, um, you know, that wraps up our power rankings and ultimately all the segments that we wanted to cover here on the Breaking the Game show, which you're currently listening to on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. Mo, we just want to say thank you, man, for, uh, you know, coming on the show and, and sharing your insight on the, on what you've made of the current headlines that are surrounding the NBA right now. Before we let you get out of here, we just want to give you an opportunity to let the people know where they can find you and your work. Oh, yeah, I appreciate y'all for having me on, bro. Definitely, definitely an honor, Steven. Love, love getting linked with you every time. Austin, finally, you know, an official, like being able to be on y'all show mm-hmm. and really talk hoops with you was great. Um, but y'all can find Fine. me, Up the Flame Sports Podcast, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, pretty much any, almost anywhere. You can get your podcast. Um, follow, you know, VP of the Off the Ball Network. So go to offtheballnetwork.com. Check out everybody's great articles from you know, Stevens wrote written one lately, Austin, you know, a lot of guys, a lot of great stuff, football, basketball, whatever it is, you know, we got Jordan does hockey now. So we're mm-hmm. covering almost all sports, still looking for people. So if you're listening and interested to join a great network full of great people, putting out great sports content, then, you know, off the ball network, definitely hit up me, Chris LeBron or Jeff Hunt. But, you know, like I said, I appreciate y'all for having me on the show, bro. It's definitely an honor. We loved having you, man, didn't we, Austin? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's definitely great to have you on, man. It was a lot of fun. You know, it was nice to finally get to do a whole show with you for sure. And we'll have to do it again, definitely. Um, you know, you're always welcome, as is everybody from off the ball. You know, they all do a great job. So, you know, I'm just honored to be a part of all of it and love doing this with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Well, awesome. We got a quick minute before we close out. Do you got anything that you want to share with the people or? Um, you know, my, I just finished my article about the Toronto Raptors. It's not a team we got to talk about today a little bit much because, you know, we were doing the top teams and they've really struggled. <laughs> and uh, I just kind of went in depth with what I think is going on with them. You know, it, there's a lot of different things that are, are, are affecting them. I think some of it has to do with last season. Some of it has to do with, you know, COVID, obviously. And so, um, you know, go ahead and check that out at offtheballnetwork.com. You can find me there. You can hit me up on Twitter at AustinCar10. Uh, the show is at BTG NBA Pod. BTG is breaking the game. So, you know, message us there. Message me on Twitter. You can get a hold of these guys there too. You know, uh, definitely if you have any questions, comments, whatever, you know, you got an idea you want to throw by, you know, throw our way. Or like Mo said, if you're looking to, to join a really great team, you can just talk to anybody, anybody at Off the Ball. Yeah, that's right. And if you want to hit up Mo on Twitter, that's Mo, M-O underscore cheese, um, 15, right, Mo? 15? Yep, Mo underscore cheese, 15 on Twitter. Uh, You can hit me up at Steven BTG. That's Steven with a P-H, BTG. And you can just follow the show, like Austin said, at BTG NBA pod, and we will definitely love to interact with you guys. But for our co-vice president here that's joining us today on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio, for my awesome co-host, Austin Carr, for myself, for OffTheBallNetwork.com, basically for the the game of basketball, we're everywhere. We're live everywhere. So if you find basketball, we're, we're around it. Uh, just appreciate you guys listening and viewing. We'll catch up with you guys next time. Much love, everybody. Have a good one.